ಕಥಾಮೃತೀವನ ಕವಿರೀರಿತ ಕಲ್ಮಶಾಪಹಂ ಶ್ರವಣಮಂಗಲ ಶ್ರೀಮದಾತೃಣಂತೇ So in the last class we were reading the section where the neighbor has neighbor asked the master sri ramakrishna the question why does a man have sinful tendencies the master sri ramakrishna's reply in god's creation there are all sort of things he has created bad men as well as good men it is he who gives us good tendencies and it is he again who gives us evil tendencies so the word tendency is the catch point he has given us both the tendencies as we were discussing in the last class the tendencies are there as in the upanishad has also been has spoken as shreya and prayer shreyas and prayer shreya is the preferable and prayer is the pleasurable the shreyascha prayascha manushya meta tau samparitya vivinakti dhira kashchi dhira pratyagatmanaisha so avritta chakshu amritatvam ichchan so what's the idea there that we are in our life in the crossroads the good and the evil both tendencies are there but the choice is ours what we choose that decision we do have the tendencies may be good may be bad but of that we have the power to choose the shreya or the prayer the shreya is the preferable the prayer is the pleasurable so what actualities that anything which gives us the short term gain the rajasik sukha as in the bhagavad gita it has been spoken of that instantaneous pleasure that which agre amritopamam parinaame vishamiva that's all rajasik that at, at the beginning it appears to be very pleasurable but the same thing when we go on pursuing it appears to be like poison and what is sattvic sukha very nicely in bhagavad gita just the opposite agre vishamiva parinaame amritopamam all the thing which we have to acquire through endeavor i don't like studies i i just do tapas and then i find i have developed the liking for it and it results in long term happiness all the tapas all the restrictions as very nicely in the modern days with the marshmallow experiment it has been shown that the child has been given one marshmallow and when he has been asked whether he would like to have two all of them say yes because they like it and now the one who is conducting the experiment says that you have to wait for 10 minutes i will be going somewhere else i return and if you have not taken the first marshmallow it's still there then you get the second and we find that most of the children cannot wait for the 10 minutes they get lured they take the marshmallow in spite of the fact they want the second so what's the idea behind it that we are all myopic that we cannot see the long term gains we are lured by the short term gains and that's why we cannot delay our gratifications 
and now you will understand what is the good tendency and the bad tendency the anything which results in the short term gain we forget to see the long term gain and just get lured by the short term gain there are all the bad tendencies and all the good tendencies you will find in this life something which needs your endeavor at the beginning it may not appear to be that pleasurable and at last you find those are the things which is given you immense joy not only studies anything even if you are if you are learning music at the beginning it may not be pleasurable meditation at the beginning it may not be pleasurable but it can ensure in intense happiness intense joy so you will find anything which at the beginning speaks of tapas at end it ends up with a joy which is qualitatively better than any type of sensuous pleasure any sensuous pleasure which gives us instant gratification has a limit what is the limit however i may like it i cannot pursue it on and on from the morning you were preparing the dishes so many dishes with the idea that you are going to enjoy it how much time for cooking it was probably have taken you for hours and however you may try within half an hour half an hour is also too much your food is over after that you are satiated you cannot continue it has a limit and not only that that urge for having it again comes back making you feel miserable but all the joy which come through tapas what's the nature of it like say that you have developed the uh, liking for meditation or for some classical music or for studies or even a surgeon who is operating on the patient for hours you will find when they are doing the job which they like the time stops for them everything stops for them they forget they are hungry they forget that they are tired they forget they need some rest they can continue for hours so just see that's that's the speaks of the qualitative uh uh joy qualitative bliss which is much much better than the sensuous pleasure you can go on pursue it and it makes you forget all other things so these type of joys are the sattvic sukha that comes from the good tendencies so what i choose based on that the result is fixed but my freedom is in choice but i cannot say that i will choose uh, something which is going to give me short term gain and i'm going to have some long term result out of it can never be what you choose accord as per your choice the result is fixed that i cannot in any way transgress so that's why we again and again say that the laws are fixed we cannot break the laws in our attempt to break the laws we generally break ourselves that's the indication which we find which in the next question the neighbor asks and what sri ramakrishna answers in that we will find the answer this the answer to this question that if he has given us both the tendencies then aren't we responsible of course we are responsible he has given us tendencies what i choose is my decision but as per the choice the result that is fixed that in no way i can avoid so the neighbor asks in that case we aren't responsible for our sinful actions are we master sin begets its own result this is god's law won't you burn your tongue if you chew a chili in his youth mathur led a rather fast life so he suffered from various diseases before his death so here what he is indicating the two things that every action has its fixed result like if you take chili you are bound to feel that you are going to burn your tongue the chili is kept on the table whether i whether i take it or not is my choice but if i take it i am bound to burn my tongue it can never happen that i take the chili and i have no i do not have any burning sensation it can never be but in addition to that something else he is saying in his youth mathur led a rather fast life so he suffered from various diseases before his death so after speaking of the chili 
he's saying that what he's saying is something very interesting that sometimes the result of my action may not be instantaneous when i take the chili the burning is instantaneous but in our life something which we do sometimes we may feel that i'm quite happy know it for certain the results are waiting for you you cannot in any way avoid the result it is fixed what to speak of our personal life if you don't believe in law of cause or this cause and effect just see it is just 200 years where the science started developing the famous quotation of francis bacon what is that that knowledge is power we generally take it in a very positive sense but the francis bacon when coined this when he, when he quoted this his idea was something very very devilish what his idea was that mother nature is not willing to give the treasure she has lot of treasure you have to force her out from the you have to force the treasure from her and what's the force that's the knowledge with your knowledge you can dig deep into the ground take out the minerals take the fuel and that's the progress of science started exploiting the nature if you go to any of the tribal culture aboriginal cultures there's a wonderful idea of reverence for the nature and with the development of the science we thought that we can just exploit the nature as far as i wish i have the knowledge for it and just see in 200 years what in what in what a drastic way we have totally disturbed the ecosystem we are almost at the brink of annihilation the the way the uh, the global warming the ozone layer depletion all those speaks that if we are not yet concerned about those things and take necessary measures it can lead to a catastrophic disaster so this speaks of law and effect i cannot avoid i had the choice how to uh, progress as a civilization but once i take the decision and proceed accordingly the result is waiting for me whether it is as a society or it's in our personal life we can never avoid the result so that's the thing which sri ramakrishna is indicating that laws can never be broken we break ourselves in our attempt to break laws and then the same thing that mathur's thing he is just relating one may not realize this in youth i have looked into the hearth in the kitchen of the kali temple when logs are being burnt at first the wet wood burns rather well it doesn't seem then that it contains much much moisture but when the wood is sufficiently burnt all the moisture runs back to one end at last water squirts from the fuel and puts out the fire so that's the thing that's it you may we shouldn't take it for granted that all the result is waiting there to happen instantaneously it may happen now or later so in our life we find that there is something called historical blunders we say that we have done some historical blunders and that's the thing that the thing which you are doing now the result may be accru- we may accrue some 100 years later so that's the thing sri ramakrishna is indicating so one should be careful about anger passion and greed take for instance the case of hanuman in a fit of anger he burned silon at last he remembered that sita was living in the ashoka grove then he began to tremble lest the fire should injure her so this is a this is the thing which is very very important in our life swami vivekananda used to say anger is never justified never get angry this anger passion greed it clouds our vision it harms our well being if i have to take some action against injustice i can do it calmly that's the challenge yes that such and such action do need some 
justice do need some uh, reformation. I can do it calmly. For that, I have to train myself. It's not that, that I never act against evil. But the moment I get anger, so here there's this, this example which uh, Sri Ramakrishna is giving, that Hanuman, in the fit of anger, he just, you know, that, that his tail was put to fire and he made it a point to put the fire to the entire Sri Lanka. Later he remembered that Sita is in the Ashoka grove. She may be harmed. The anger clouded his vision. That's this thing which we find in the, this, what you say? In the Bhagavad Gita it is mentioned that passion and greed is the cause of anger. Sri Ramakrishna is saying three things. Anger, passion and greed. It is a passion and greed which leads to anger. When the passion, the greed cannot be fulfilled, I find someone is obscuring my way, my way to fulfill my desire. From that, the anger emanates, anger develops. That's nicely the psychological sequence of how we get angry and how anger becomes the result of our destruction has been very nicely described in the Bhagavad Gita, in the second chapter, in the 62nd and in the 63rd sloka. What is the idea? Dhyayata vishayan pungsa sangaste shupajayate sangat sanjayate kama kamat krodho bhijayate krodhat bhavati sammoha sammohat smriti vibrama smriti bhrangshad buddhinashu buddhinashat pranashyati Just in sequence they are saying that dhyayato vishayan pungsa the first comes indulgence. I just go on contemplating on the object of the senses. That you are, our Swami Sridharanandaji will be giving that example, that you are in some shopping complex and you most probably have no intention to buy anything, but you're passing by the shop and suddenly you see a piece of garment which you it draws your attention. And you just go in, just start looking at it. And in the process, you have started developing an identification. Why not buy it? Let it be mine. So first comes the contemplating on the object of the senses. From that develops the attachment to them. So dhyayato vishayan pungsa. First you are, as if contemplating on it, from that sangaste shupajayate, sangaste, so this attachment, sangha means attachment, the attachment grows. Sangat sanjayate kama, attachment leads to desire. First you just see it, then you feel, let it be mine, that let it be mine is a sangha, and now the desire, I will have to have it. Kamat krodho, and now the one who is accompanying you, may most probably say, you already have so many clothes in the wardrobe. Why? Again, you are going for that. And immediately you find that anger is flaring up for the person who just gives some, most probably some good suggestion, but you at that moment get terribly angry. So from karma comes the krodha. Anyone who is obscuring your desire, immediately it transforms, the desire transforms into anger. Krodhat bhavati sammoha. So from this anger, what happens? The clouding of the judgment. You lose the faculty of proper judgment. You almost become mad. You lose your wits. That's what there's some moha. You become full of what you say, the delusion, moha. Krodhat bhavati sammoha. Sammohat, smriti vibrama. This smriti vibrama is very interesting. It results in what? Bewilderment of memory, loss of memory. What's the loss of memory? I know that certain actions are going to yield some bad result. Like in the office, maybe someone has crossed me, has not behaved properly with me. 
there are certain ways. Most probably I have to calmly deal with the situation and make it sure that the one who has not dealt with me properly, I can of course uh, get the proper, uh, what you say that the desirable result by acting calmly. But if I lose my wits because of anger and start shouting at him, the, everything goes against me. Then in spite of the fact that someone has wronged me, the moment I start si shouting, I know everything is going to go against me. It's not that I don't know. I know that shouting is not something which is recommended. I must deal the situation calmly. I know someone who does some security job. In the shops, you will see security. They are specifically instructed that if someone behaves badly with them, they should in no way behave in return in bad, badly. Calmly, they have to explain. At the most, they have to report. Once they behave badly, that immediately goes against them. So they also know. But what happens in the school, the teacher has to deal with the student calmly. He or she knows that if she doesn't do it, the consequences will be something which is going to affect her, his or her profession. But what happens? Because of the sammoha, bewilderment of your this sense of judgment, you forget that smithy is no more working. Though you have the memory of all the things which are going to happen as consequence, you know, but smriti, your memory fails. And smriti, from smriti bhangsha, what happens? From the smriti bhangsha, smriti bhangshad buddhi nasha. The buddhi, the intellect. What is buddhi? Nishchayatmika buddhi. Sankalpa vikalpatmak mana. The mind has these faculties. What is the faculty of this mind? That what to do, what not to do. These all choices. When you are having this choice, this is the faculty of the mind. From, from all those choices, at last, you decide. Yes, I can do a thing in one way. I may do it, not do it at all. Or I may do it in some other way. Kartum, akartum, anyatha kartum. There are so many options. Of that, at last, I decide. Yes, whether I do it or whether I do it in some different way or I won't do it. This nishchayatmika, this decision is the buddhi. So because of the loss of memory, now your buddhi is not working. So you take the wrong decision and immediately, just in that one instant, because of your this demonstration of the anger, because of the spilling out of the anger, what happens? Buddhi nashat pranashyati. That it goes against you. It disintegrates you. At last you find that it is you, in spite of sufficient reason to be angry, You, what has happened? You couldn't keep your calm. Sufficient reason for that someone has wronged you, to, that he or she should be having the consequence of it. And most probably if you would have done it, done it calmly, that would have been possible. But now you behave in such a way, at last it goes totally against you. That's the, this is the idea of pranashyati. So that's why we find that Swami Vivekananda is also saying that anger is never justified. Never get angry. We may sometimes feel that I have justified anger. No, anger is never. Because the moment you get angry, the entire thing is going against you. It's a big challenge to have that calmness even in that moment and where you have been wronged. And of course, you have to go for some actions, calmly take the actions, which speaks of necessary actions. I do it. But the anger was in no way justified. So that's why Swamiji uh, Ramakrishna is so nicely saying that one should be very careful about anger, passion, and greed. And then he's giving the example of Hanuman. Take, for instance, the case of Hanuman. In a fit of anger, he burned Ceylon. At last, he remembered that Sita was living in the Ashoka grove. Then he began to tremble lest the fire should injure her. Neighbor, why has God created wicked people? Now, Sri Ramakrishna will give many answers. Before we go into the, those answers, let us just 
classify that there are four reasons he is giving that why God has created wickedness. First, evil helps to glorify goodness. It helps to glorify. If evil is not there, you can never uh, really give, uh, means, uh, give compliments to the goodness. In this life, we will come to the discussion that evil helps to glorify goodness. That's the first point. Evil acts as a weight to work against, to build spiritual strength. If there is no evil, you can never build your spiritual strength. You have to always work against that. That evil helps us to work against that evil. It's like a weight, like just the way when you go to the gym, how you, how you uh, gather strength, how you become strong. You have to work against some weight. So evil can act as a weight. You have to work against it to build the spiritual strength. There's a second thing he will be saying. The third thing is the obsession of an evil person can be used under certain circumstances to serve as a necessity. All the evil, what's, what's evil? Anything out of necessity which I do is good. And when that necessity becomes an obsession, that becomes an evil. And some person who has become obsessed that by the by certain thing and you use that obsession for a particular purpose, a purpose and then you will find it is actually helping instead of uh, becoming a factor of uh, evil. And the last thing you will say evil has a role to play in God's economy. So just we gave that idea now we will go to the Ramakrishna's word. What he's saying that why God has created wicked people, why he has created wickedness? Master, that is his will, his play. In his maya, there exists avidya as well as vidya. Darkness is needed too. The first reason I will say, it reveals all the more the glory of light. Very interesting. You know, in the, uh, the, whenever there is a description of heaven and hell, uh, the, uh, in many places, the idea is there is a transparent wall between the heaven and the hell. You know why? Those who are in heaven, it is only by comparison, by seeing the people in the hell, they can feel that how better they are. If everyone is good, you can never realize the, what you say, the uh, importance of peace, tranquility, unless there is some turmoil now and then. That turmoil makes us feel the importance of the peace, strength, this, uh, peace, integrity, and all those things. So we will find that always, you know, uh, in, even in the scriptures, we will find that the glory of light is revealed all the more when there is darkness, where there is evil. In the Ramayana, you see, it is the character of Kaikei that makes Rama's character illustrious. If Kaikei have not wronged with Rama, the glory for the things for which we worship Rama, they, 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 there was no scope for those uh, the traits of the character to be demonstrated. Once Kaikei wronged with Rama, then we find all those traits of the character in Rama is getting a chance to flourish. So, it is the darkness which reveals the light. In the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, how we find that his compassion, when the two ruffians, when the two ruffians hurt him, by hurt his, not him, his uh, associate, Nityananda Prabhu, by throwing the piece of pottery, and he was bleeding. And though Mahaprabhu at the beginning first gets, ang gets a bit angry, but on the suggestion of Nityananda, he is there to transform them. His compassion transforms them. They become the ardent devotees of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Their life totally gets transformed. So again, we find it is the evil which glorifies the greatness. See, the, the entire strength of Christianity is in Jesus' crucifixion. Enter the passion of Christ that this again that it was he was wronged, 
the way he was crucified. In the, and it is the crucifixion that actually revealed his glory. That even when he was in the cross, he could forgive the one who were wrong, whoever just uh, committing an evil act against him. That forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's the famous uh, words of Christ. That gives the strength of the entire Christianity. The life of Christ is of course wonderful, but the strength of Christianity comes from that crucifixion. Why? That again, the light, the glory of the light is revealed when there is darkness. So that's what Sri Ramakrishna is saying, that darkness is needed too. It reveals all the more the glory of this light. There is no doubt that anger, lust, and greed are evils. Why then has God created them? In order to create sense. A man becomes a saint by conquering the senses. So that's, it's all this, the lust, greed are the wet against which you have to work. A wonderful story, a funny story we have related in other some context that in a monastery, there was a monk who was extremely quarrelsome, always quarrelling with the other monks. So all were fed up with him. Without reason, always used to quarrel. And one day he blamed all and told that it is almost impossible to stay with you all. I'm leaving the monastery. So he left the monastery. All just shied relief. They had a sigh of relief. At last, he himself has went. We need not have to ask him to go. It is himself has left the monastery. It's good for all of us. But the abbot, the senior monk, the in charge of the monastery, he was a bit concerned that where has this monk has gone? He was asking all, where has he gone? All told, he has left by himself. Why should you bother about him? But this old monk, after two days, this monk didn't return. He went in search of him and he brought him back. Somewhere he found him and all were annoyed. They asked, that, what was the re- what's the reason to bring him back? He is such a disturbing factor. And then the old monk said that, how would you know that you are developing patience? He is our patience practicing factor. He should be there. <coughs> so that's the idea that unless evil is there, How can you really become good? (laughs) It is by working against the evil. We develop those good tendencies. In our life, we always find that unless the evil is there, it is almost impossible for us to really grow in uh, this, in divinity, in spirituality. In all the good qualities come, it is by this exercise against the evil. That most of us say that I cannot practice spirituality because of so much of evil. But in our scripture, very nicely it has been mentioned. Never think that all the circumstances will be favorable to you. And then, then you will resort to spirituality. The one who thinks that let the situations become favorable. And then I will practice spirituality is like a fool who is sitting on the bank, on the shores of the ocean and just thinking. What's his thinking? He's waiting. That let the waves stop, then I will go and have a dip in the ocean. He's a fool because the waves are never going to stop. It will be there. If you have to take a dip in the ocean, in spite of the waves, I have to get down in the ocean. So evils are that way, are bound to be there. If we have to grow spiritually, we have to work against them. They they are the factors which will help us to evolve spiritually. It is they which helps us to become saints. So it is by conquering all those evils that we become saint. There is no doubt anger, lust and greed are evils. Why then has God created them? In order to create sense. A man becomes a saint by conquering the senses. So the second reason he's saying, then then what, is there anything impossible for a man who has subdued his passions? 
He can even realize God through his grace. Again, see how his whole play of creation is perpetuated through lust. Wicked people are needed too. So here Sri Ramakrishna is saying that what, that what is evil, what is good, anything which I do out of necessity is good. But when it becomes an obsession, then it becomes evil. So the lust which we say evil, it is the cause of the creation. So if I can keep it limited for that purpose, just for the propagation of life, that's it has its own place. But when it becomes an obsession, then it becomes an evil. So wicked people are needed too. At one time, the tenants of an estate become unruly. The landlord had to send Golak Choudhury, who was a ruffian. He was such a harsh administrator that the tenants trembled at the very mention of his name. So anger, how that angry anger came that if you go to the nature scientists, that anger is of course justified in some situation, like in the olden days, when the civilization was growing, someone has cultivated his land and in his granary, he is having some, the, all the grains, he has stored the grains. And suddenly a raffin comes and tries to take away all the things which he has stored. Of course, he has to show anger, that anger is required. But what happens if that anger in the process of evolution has become an obsession? And now it is something which is not serving the purpose. What happened in the road, I'm going. In the signal, just the green signal came and most probably I took a few more seconds just to start. The one behind me comes down and if gets chance, most probably gives a blow. That's what's the call? That the road rage. It has no reason. What has happened? The anger has become obsession. And that's why it is evil. But that type of people sometimes are needed for whom the anger has become obsession. I can use the anger as a necessity. How? That, that's the example he's giving. That sometimes the evil persons are required to uh, subdue the unruly and that's what is it, the, the tenants that's what he is giving that example here the wicked people are needed too at one time the tenants of an estate, estate became unruly the landlord had to send Golak Choudhury who was a ruffian he was such a harsh administrator that the tenants trembled at the very mention of his name so one who has got obsessed by it I am just taking him for some necessity. So evil is, it do serve a purpose. That's the thing that any action out of necessity is good. The same action when done obsessively, obsessively is evil. It has become an obsession, it becomes an evil. So if I can just use it for necessity, that same evil can serve the some purpose for the social integration. So that's the thing which Sri Ramakrishna is indicating. In his words, you will find so many things. That's the simple word says that actually the distinction between the good and evil. Anything I do out of necessity is good. In my, when we haven't learned agriculture in the forest, when our ancestors who were food gatherers were in search of sweet roots, sweet herbs, that was good. But this constant search for the sweet fruit, sweet herbs, that has become an obsession. Now, for every, in any food item, you find a lot of sugar. In our food, unnecessarily, we take too much of sugar. And that obsession has become an evil. It has resulted in all the lifestyle diseases. So here you will find that the distinction between the good and evil, the good and evil are not something separate. The same thing, when I'm doing out of necessity, it has a purpose. It is good. Even here, Golak Chaudhary, that anger is used for a necessity is good. But when he is just unnecessarily like a rough end behaving uh, harshly with all, without purpose, then that's of course an evil. The thing which results in propagation of life is good. But that again can be an evil for which we need not uh, have to explain. In the society, we everywhere find in 
what all form the lust is the cause of the evil so that's what sri ramakrishna how nicely is indicating that there is need for everything now evil is required in the economy of god hmm. we can say it is just uh, in a uh, what do you say that uh, ironical way what's that that sri ramakrishna is giving a wonderful example there is a need for everything once sita said to her husband rama it would be grand if every house in ayodhya were a mansion i find many houses old and dilapidated but my dear said rama if all the houses were beautiful ones what would the masons do so the laughter so all, all just really enjoyed sri ramakrishna's word god has created all kinds of things he has created good trees and poisonous plants and weeds as well among the animals there are good bad and all kinds of creatures tigers lions snakes and so on so good and evil both are required that that example that what the masons will do we find everywhere if there was no disease how can you think of doctor the means all the professions will stop the way you find in the society that we are sustaining with the professions all the professions falls off if there is no uh, disease there is the doctors not required that evil you know that's why sri ramakrishna in some other place has very nicely told that sharp hoye kati ojha hoye jhari that as a snake i bite and as an exorcist the one who removes the poison of the snake i heal as a snake i bite is the same uh, the god has created evil for the in the economy of god both are required so you know the same plane same plane in which in the african countries which are means torn with lot of what is this violence because their poor country the aid comes from the developed nations and the aid is meant to be distributed uh equally to all but we will find that mafia has developed there they somehow will try to grab the entire thing and that results in all sorts of violence there will be various mafia and you will be astonished to know the same plane in which all the goods all the goods for distribution which are just uh, which has landed all the goods which has been sent from the developed nations those two tire plants in the lower level all the arms and ammunitions which the our this all the mafias will be using they are also sent in the same plane just see the way the world works the evil the, as because of the mafia this all uh, what you see this uh, our relief goods has to be sent in more quantity they are going in the same plane so all that the, because of the violence you find that there is some all the uh, countries which has giving this shelter refuge such good work is going on why because that evil is there so these are both going on hand in hand this both are required says so here in this australia you will find that so much of employment comes from all these so called humanitarian activities you do voluntarily all these activities for that government is paying a huge amount and now the economy stops if really all those evils are not there what these people will do in the form of the disability care in the form of family violence care so many people are really employed so what sri ramakrishna is saying to make a sense in this world you will find that so many people are sustaining themselves because you have to encounter evil if evil was not there the police is not there the entire economy collapses you know that sometimes we think that what's the need for luxury just let us farm the land we have sufficient food and have a little simple life we don't understand the way the economy works that actually for a nation the food has a limit beyond that the food will be waste if all were cultivating the land no one thinking of luxury only cultivating the land 
there will be so much of food at last the farmers will go starving and will find that sometimes no crop results in the suicide of the farmers and sometimes too much of crop the suicide because they cannot sell the farmers suicide because of too much in india we found you will find that news in news that so much of crop has the yield has is so high that they cannot sell that resulting in suicide so unless you can think of some other professions you can the, the, the society cannot sustain itself the economy will fall collapse so that's why you know in belurmat when in the public celebration during the public public ceremony uh, public celebration of guru maharaj a huge fair is there all sorts of stalls are there now as young brahmacharis we never were supposed to have money is a senior monks the president maharaj will give us money why guru maharaj told that whenever you go for to some fair buy something because you see that so many people are sustaining themselves by selling all those things which may apparently appear to be something luxurious item some antiques i keep in my house it's of no use some fancy dress i wear i can just wear simple clothes but we forget that that is sustaining a, a huge uh, of our uh, this cross section of the population the economy is sustained by that if i have an idea let me buy a fancy cloth not for fashion but to sustain the economy actually we will be doing a great service when knowingly we will be doing a service that one is others are also unknowingly doing it but we will be knowingly doing it it's good to have that swami vivekananda told it's good to need we need all those luxurious item so this many people will be saying that india is such a poor country why to have olympics asian games why so much money is wasted in all those celebrations puja we forget the moment it stops there is no employment so many people are sustaining themselves by building the pandals by uh, build, by uh, building the by by making the image when this worships there then it's by selling all those things they are sustaining themselves the economy thrives with all those things that's why any nation nowadays is giving so much importance to tourism that's way then when the covid was there why the government is giving allowance to go to the that's what you say that uh, to the countryside because if you go there the restaurants and everything will thrive so that you will find that this in the economy of god everything is required the evil to sus- to just get rid of the evil so many people in the form of police army it's just to stop the evil and that way if all were just cultivating the land they would have most probably uh, resulted in the fall of the economy there was so much of cultivation that will they will go west all those things helps us to sustain the creation so they are needed in the economy of god so now again just as a summary the four reasons which sri ramakrishna is saying is that evil helps to glorify the goodness the first thing he told evil acts as a weight to work against so that you build spiritual strength the second thing the obsession of an evil person can be used under certain circumstances to serve for the good of the society as a necessity and the last evil has a role to play in god's economy so that's how nicely sri ramakrishna is giving this four reason that evil he has a place in the in our existence there is no need to just divide there is a dichotomy between good and evil this is a wonderful uh, uniqueness of the vedic tradition in abrahamic traditions in all the abrahamic traditions there is a dichotomy of good and evil for all the good there is god for all the evil there is satan as if there is a wonderful uh, balance between the two as they have their own boundaries that how much satan will work they have a good understanding if you see the way the good and evil works in the society it cannot be two person it has to be the same this from this the god who is the from whom the entire universe has projected the good if the good is because of god the evil too is from him and that gives a much more 
broader perspective to understand the way the uh, things work in this world. So we need not, it, it has some wonderful implications. When you know that all the good things emanates from God and all the bad from Satan, you feel justified to hate the evil, to get rid of them, to punish them. But when you know everything is from God, then the question of hatred doesn't come. The question of punishment doesn't come. The question of reformation comes then. That yes, what is evil? Evil is an expression of the fact that somehow good couldn't be, good didn't manifest. To give an example, that from a seed, a huge plant is supposed to grow. But if the seed gets dried, because it has been, it was in the terrace, it has got dried, or it was in some extremely wet land, it got uh, rotten. Does the dried seed or the rotten seed is an expression of evil? No. It's just, it is just the example, it's just the expression of the fact that it didn't get the proper environment. That's why it couldn't sprout. If I give it proper environment, it is bound to become a huge tree. So everyone has the goodness within. Evil is a manifestation of the fact that I couldn't give proper circumstances. So there's a question of, no question of punishment. There's a question of reformation. The, okay, that he was unfortunate, this person is unfortunate that he didn't get the proper circumstances to manifest his goodness. Why not try to reform him by changing the circumstances, giving him better scope? And then what happens is this, we find that this, that, that from God, everything has emanated. All the goodness is his. Even the evil is the expression of the fact that the goodness couldn't be manifested. Then we can really uh, be forbearing with all, be compassionate towards all, even the one who is the so-called manifestation of evil. There's no question of punishment then. It's a question of reformation. So that's the idea which we find has been uh, explained by Sri Ramakrishna through all these examples. Sir, is it ever possible, the neighbor again asks, Sir, is it ever possible to realize God while leading the life of a householder? Master. So this is the question which we find again and again in the gospel coming. Because all the, all the devotees who used to come, most of them are the householders. And that's the question, the pertinent question they have. And master is always there to give that assurance. Yes, it is possible, certainly. But as I just, but as I said just now, one must live in holy company and pray unceasingly. One should weep for God. When the impurities of the mind are thus washed away, one realizes God. The mind is like a needle covered with mud. The God is like a magnet. The needle cannot be united with the magnet unless it is free from mud. Tears wash away the mud, which is nothing but lust, anger, greed, and other evil tendencies, and the inclination to worldly enjoyments as well. As soon as the mud is washed away, the magnet attracts the needle. That is to say, man realizes God. Only the pure in heart see God. That's the same thing which Jesus also says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Sri Ramakrishna is also saying, only the pure in heart see God. A fever patient has an excess of the watery element in his system. What can quinine do for him unless that is removed? Some of the words of Ramakrishna is so simple, we sometimes miss what the, the exact point what he's saying. Here he's giving an example that a fever patient has an excess of watery element in his system. What can quinine do for him unless that is removed? So here actually the idea of vairagya and para-vairagya comes. What's that? That in our life, if I find that there is some very strong obsession, my mind is so much disturbed because of this obsession, it is almost impossible to constantly think of God. So first what I have to do, 
Of course, I have to take care of this obsession. And then, I'm, after that I find that my mind has con, uh, come under control, I sometimes feel extremely satisfied. Oh, and there our all our endeavor stops. Actually, that's the time when the real endeavor should start. You know, in, in any relief, there are two types of relief. One is short-term relief, one is long-term relief. That if any area is getting flooded every year, of course, when they get flooded, we go for the short-term relief. Go, we go to the food, for we take them to some safe shelter. But as that area is every year flooded, so you have to think of some disaster management. You have to build some house on big on, on tall pillars so that even if it is if the flood is there, their house doesn't get drowned. The in the village there are some bore wells. Those bore wells has to be in a very uplifted platform. So even when the water has flooded the village, they can have fresh water. Otherwise, everywhere the water is there, but there is no fresh water. So these are the long-term remedies. So here in spiritual life also. The immediate obsession I have to take care. That's the thing which is saying that when there's excess of watery element, means when you are having some obsession which is very much disturbing you, you have to practice that vairagya, tapas. I have to get rid of it. But I shouldn't be satisfied when I find that I have got rid of it and my all my endeavor stops. It's then that real sadhana starts. Why? That speaks of the Paravairagya. As we have told, there are so many desires which binds us. Some are visible, some are not visible. If the circumstance of life changes, suddenly I will find, I thought that, oh, my mind is so calm. Suddenly the circumstance of life changes and I find some new desires have, uh, what you say, has manifested in my mind. It is disturbing me. I don't know from where it came. They were all hidden. So if I have to take care of them one by one, it is almost impossible. So the thing which is disturbing me, Vyakta Vasana, which is manifested, I have to take care of it immediately. But in hand in hand, the practice of devotion should go on. Why? When you are practicing devotion, what is happening? Constantly you are negating the idea of limited self. That all the desires after all are linked with the ego. But if I like sweet, who likes sweet? This limited individuality likes the sweet. This idea of ego and this I, this limited I, all our likings and hatred is hooked to this ego. Devotion helps us to get rid of that ego. How? The moment I think of God, what's the idea? That God is, I am, and our relation is through eternity. This body will fall off just for the time being, it is a passing phase. So this idea is constantly negating the ego, the ego, ego which is saturated. We are just hammering the ego. So that's example which we give again and again. If our personality is like a will, all the spikes are the desires. The desire which is disturbing me, of course I take care of it. But there are other innumerable spikes. Some are manifested, some are not manifested, which will manifest later. I cannot get rid of them one by one. What I have to do, I have to get rid of the hub. And then the entire will falls off. So the real spiritual evolution happens only through the remembrance, contemplation on the divine or contemplation on a real nature that I am the Atman, which is beyond this body-mind complex. That's negating the ego. That through that, the long-term effect happens. But immediately if something is disturbing, that first I have to, of course, take care of. But otherwise my mind is so disturbed, how can I resort to contemplation? So see, so much of idea, the idea of vairagya and paravairagya is just mentioned in these two lines. A fever patient has an excess of watery element in his system. What can quinine do for him unless that is removed? That of course, resorting to the devotion is the art is going to lead us to that ultimate spiritual evolution. But unless I have taken care of the desires which are disturbing me, how can I think of that contemplation? It is impossible. So this vairagya has to be followed by paravairagya. In our spiritual life, for most of us, 
with the vairagya where we take care of our immediate disturbances we become complacent so that's the thing which have to be careful of that both should go hand in hand we have of course has to take care of our immediate obsessions but at the same time it we also along with that the practice of devotion should go on one is going to take care of the this long term uh, means in the long term your spiritual evolution and other is a short term process that vairagya it takes in the yoga sutra there, there there are sutras which deals with it elaborately so in the simple words ramakrishna is that explaining that first of course all the things which are disturbing you have to take care of but ultimately devotion love of god alone can enter in spiritual evolution without that just taking care of the desires is of not much avail for the time being it may help you but in the long run it is not going to take you anywhere so with this we stop our discussion today we'll continue with the study again in the next class <laughs>